On this episode of the Big O Podcast, I'm joined by co-host of Sports on Pause and Free Association Podcasts, Sportsnet's very own Donovan Bennett. We talk about the feeling of doing an unofficial press tour due to the recent events in America, Drew Brees' recent comments and him still not understanding the reason for players kneeling during the national anthem, Donovan's comparison of the core staff from the score to an iconic Canadian baseball team, and his willingness to allow Sid 6-0 a chance at redemption in a rematch of the world's greatest singing competition. This is the Big O Podcast. Good morning, everybody. I am your host, Julian Ortiz of the Big O Podcast. And today my guest is none other than Donovan Bennett from Sportsnet. Donovan, how are you doing this morning? Great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I imagine this is a crazy time, maybe about, you know, 10, maybe two weeks ago, things were a little bit lighter. But now with, you know, the recent events that's happened in the United States and the return to sports, things for you, I imagine, are getting quite, quite busy. How How is that going for you right now? Yeah, I mean, I've joked that um, I've been on a book tour for a book that I didn't write. Uh, <laughs> now I know what it's like. If you got a documentary that comes out or a film uh, or a book and, you know, you're doing a press junket nonstop because it's been nonstop shortly after Memorial Day, uh, which I think to me um, is that real turning point in this conversation where you had Amy Cooper um, threatening Christian Cooper in Central Park in the morning. And then that evening you had George Floyd sadly losing his life. Um since then, it's been kind of nonstop, um, but, uh, you know, it's an important topic, so I'm happy to talk about it. Sweet. So we are going to get into that. Uh, before that, I want to so I want to know, how has COVID affected you? Obviously, you know, since what, maybe mid-February, the world has sort of just stopped or changed as we know it, and we're anticipating a new normal coming up. How has that affected you in the job that you do? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, not that much, to be honest. Uh, so, I, I mean, two thirds of the things that I do, I can still do, right? I can right. still still write, so I can write from anywhere. And I often, before, most of the time, wrote from home. So that hasn't really changed. Uh, podcast, as we're both proving, uh, can be yeah. done from anywhere. And so, certainly, I didn't do them from home before, but I can and am now. So really the only thing that's changed is the in-studio piece of my job doing stuff um, like on a show like This Week in 30 with Daniel Michaud and Faisal Kamisa or Tim and Sid with, based on the name, Tim and Sid, <laughs> um, and, and, and doing feature interviews, which is a big part of what I did as well, because we weren't really shooting those, certainly to start COVID. And now those are starting to come back. We're, we're finding creative ways to shoot a feature interview in a socially distanced manner. Um, but I mean, to be honest, uh, I, I've just been busy in a different way, but right. but still busy. The, the, the real challenge is... Um, since I have a young child, it's being full time at work, working from home yeah. while you have a child running around. And my wife has gone back to work, so she's got um, the same problems. So right. um, his nap time is my work time, put it, put it that way. Um, Got to take advantage of when he is, is quiet and trying to do stuff like this, for example. 
Fair enough. So speaking of which, I mean, uh, you have a one-year-old son. He just turned one back, uh, I believe it was in April, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just recently celebrated your birthday. And with the events that have sort of taken place, as you mentioned, started just after Memorial Day around that time, how has that affected you? How has that changed or has it changed how you're going to parent or the messaging or protectiveness as a, as a father now? Yeah, I mean, I think you're always protective as a father and as a mother. It's kind of, you know, that mama bear gene is, is put into moms um, or in, in my case, dads, as soon as the kid comes out and you see your offspring. I think the real change is when I see the scenes that sadly we are seeing so often before I would think, man, that like could have been me. Uh, I could have been right. in that situation uh, I could have been the person who was looked at without any humanity. And now I don't think of myself. I think of my son. And that's you know analogous to parenting in general, as you think of your child first and foremost in all decisions that you do. Um, but certainly with something with you know that weight and that gravity, you think of your kid and hopefully them not being in a situation that's that dire, but certainly, even if it doesn't come to that, you know that they're going to be in awkward positions because of race, uncomfortable positions uh, because of race. And so, um, you know, you, you hate your child to be upset for any reason, right? Like for sure. you, you're crying and you, you just, uh, you just want to solve it, right? There, this Rubik's cube, you're trying to figure out why you're crying, what can I I do just please stop I, I want you to be good at all times and so um you know knowing that uh, your child in the future is going to be upset for something that has nothing to do with them personally it just has to do with the way our society is set up um that can be tough no doubt i mean i have a three-year-old and a a girl, um, our youngest daughter just turned one back in March and the three-year-old is definitely picking up on things. Like she's definitely picked up on COVID and understands that her regular routine of being able to go to the park or go shopping, like grocery shopping, any of those things, even seeing family has been affected by it. And obviously our one-year-old is still a little bit young, but it doesn't mean that they're not still seeing or affected, whether it's seeing you affected, seeing the emotions that you're sharing during this time or the frustrations. And so I definitely understand as a parent that we always, I mean, the mantra was always you work hard so your kid does not have to work as hard in life. You try to, to bear the burden so that they don't have to. But the reality of this situation is that you have to then educate them or prepare them to still have that burden, unfortunately, because history has shown while over what 400 years as much of things have changed, a lot of things have remained the same. So what are you anticipating, or I guess maybe hoping for, for the future of, of your son and the future of, of, you know, the youngest generation right now? Yeah, I mean, you, you just put it really beautifully, to be honest, right? Like what you're talking about is legacy. And so, you know, my grandparents um, made a choice to come to this country for their offspring to have a better life. You know, my dad uh, made the choice to come to this country so that his offspring could have a better life. Um, and I'm the product and the benefit of that. And certainly, you know, I want to honor uh, those tough decisions and that foresight by making sure that uh, I pass on all the, the good fortune to my child. 
but this is an area where my legacy can't help, right? There's nothing I can do. Uh, I can't uh, achieve, I can't move up the corporate ladder or move into a great neighborhood that's gonna erase his skin color. He's always For going sure. to be black. And so um, that can be frustrating, disheartening, disparaging. Um, and so I do think though, having said all that, that I'm normally an optimist because it, it costs the same to be optimistic, so you might as well be. Um, I do think that this next generation, um, I, I, they're going to have us in a much better place. I mean, they've already done it on other issues. You look at how active they've been in terms of climate change. It's a problem that we have left at their doorstep, um, and they've yep. jumped right into it. We've seen how active they've been on things like gun control. Um, where you know we've been dormant about that issue for generations. So I do think this young group is certainly motivated and has the know-how, but also more importantly, you know, sometimes, um, you know, when your mind doesn't know what to do, your heart figures it out. And I do think that they have a little bit more heart. It, not that, you know, people before were obviously not well-intentioned, but sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And this group, the group that literally grew up with the internet their entire lives, their access to information and learning is so vast, but also their access to step outside of their bubble, their community, and see scenes across the world, maybe understand, have a better uh, appreciation for what people who don't look like them or who they don't see often every day, what they might be going through. I do think that they're more connected with people who don't have the same situation as certainly I was and, and definitely my parents and my parents' parents. So I, I think that added ability because of technology gives them a layer of humanity that maybe we haven't seen before. And thus, they'll be able to change things. And, and I actually think maybe they'll be able just to exist in a way where there won't need to be a lot of changes because they'll always know that someone who doesn't look like them may have a lot in common with them because they've literally seen it on screens their entire life. Right. So I want to come back to this as I'm going to reference some of the articles that you've you've written as of late. But I want to talk quickly about, I mean, before you joined Sportsnet in 2013, you're part of the core group of The Score with, you know, Cabby, Tim, Sid, Steve Coolius. I mean, Jared D was there for, for a bit as well. What was it like with that group that you worked with at The Score? And how is that different than maybe what you're able to do with, at, at Sportsnet? I mean, I, I feel kind of like we were like the Montreal Expos, to be honest. Like, <laughs> we just had all of this talent, all of these guys that would go on and, and, you know, as much as they were doing great things in that situation with, you know, little resources, yeah. um, they would go elsewhere and, and do even greater things and, you know, be Hall of Famers. Um, so, you know, if... If Cabby is Pedro Martinez and Tim McAuliffe is uh, Larry Walker, and I don't know, like I'll happy to be like Delino DeShields or something like that. Um, but uh, 
Um, maybe Marquise Grissom. But um, no, I, I just think it was like this incubator for so many great ideas, so many great uh, people. We didn't have much, so we had to figure it out. We really pushed each other and we really, you know, we're friends. We, we, we worked so hard and so often um, that, you know, our, where the work started and where the friendship started, those lines were pretty blurred. It was it was kind of like university, man. Like, you're just in a dorm, everyone's kind of working hard um, and and getting out their dreams at that time. And, and when you look at the success that that group has had uh, post the score being a television station, it's, it's outstanding. Um, and even if you look to Sportsnet, right, like, everyone knows about obviously Tim and Sid, but myself, Danielle Michaud, Faisal Kamisa, uh, Brendan Dunlop, uh, James Sharman. Um, you know, we're all score babies. We're all product of that place. And that's just the people who are on camera. There are many, many, many more who are doing real things. Our GM at, at uh, Sportsnet, John Coleman, came from the score. The two point men that are producers on Tim and Sid, uh, Thomas Dobby and um, Jason Sands, they came from the score. So yeah, it, it's um, it was it was a, it was a nice it was a nice uh, breeding ground certainly for talent ideas. And in this moment. And really this era where people have to find ways to create content differently, to you know, attract a unique audience. I mean, we've been doing that. The conversations yeah. that people are starting to having at high levels in mainstream media, the conversations we were having 10, 15 years ago, because we had to. And so I can only imagine if when we were there, if social media was as prevalent in terms of being a broadcast tool, um, the score, you know, home of the hardcore IG account would have been <laughs> would have been crazy. So, um, yeah, the IG lives would we, we actually it might be a good thing that we didn't have IG live because we may have we may have gotten in um, in trouble trouble. But there's an area called News Pit too, where all of the talent um, was was assembled. And, you know, Glenn Sheeler had an advert, Laura Dykin. Elliot Friedman, um, everyone kind of at some point had spent uh, time sitting in that area, uh, going back and forth and ideas. And so um, it's a place that I, I hold dear, uh, near and dear to my heart. I, I think the biggest difference is now we're all at places um, with bigger platforms. Right. And so right. we're just doing the same things. We, really, like we haven't changed just the audiences has changed right. i say audience in terms of the size of the audience given the scope of you know having a uh, channel that's like much lower on the dial and having sure. a radio station with an incredible signal um having the backing of you know a, a big telecom like rogers um that's really what's been the change but yeah, people like the show Tim and Sid. Um, we had that at nighttime. It was scored at night. So, uh, um, yeah, a, a, an education for sure uh, was was my time at the score. So I want to go back to two things that you said. So I love the Montreal Expos reference. Incredible. Uh, Tim said uh, that there will likely never be anything like the score ever again. Uh, it was the first of its time, but it's it's unlikely to be recreated ever again. And part of what you just said, I mean, you guys were having conversations 10, 15 years ago about stuff that 
is happening now or having those, you know, hard conversations, but because they're important in your mind, if the score still existed, you know, 10, 15 years later, it had its time to maybe not reach the TSNs and the Sportsnet, but had an opportunity to grow and definitely is going to grow through social media based on, you know, Cabby's platform, your platform, Tim and Sid and all of those things. How do you think or do you think the conversations that you would have amongst those core group of people on air, behind the scenes people, how would that conversation be going now? Would it be broadcasted differently than a TSN or a Sportsnet would because you guys were a smaller company and didn't have these large parent companies behind you? What would those conversations be and would they be any different than what we are currently seeing on TV today? I don't think they would be different. I don't think it would matter about having big companies behind us. And in a way, sometimes having a big company with you shackles you in terms of what you can say. But I think the benefit for the score television station, if it still existed, would be the fact that it would be a television station would be entirely secondary and that it would just be a brand, and that it would be able to make revenue off of social media. It would be able to make revenue off of podcasts. It would be able right. to close the gap in a lot of areas where, you know, certainly Bell and Rogers had a head start in terms of the television side. Like, they're cable providers, right? Like, yeah. they, they, they're standing on third base, right? And, and, and you're, <laughs> yeah, still right. At, you're still, um, you know, trying to get on base. But the playing field is even in terms of uh, you know podcasting, and uh, and social, and so the brand itself was so strong that I think it would find itself with some real, real victories if it was still around in this moment in this era when we're starting to figure out how to monetize those things in a real way. It would be you know Bleacher Report times. Vice Sports um, times the undefeated times the uninterrupted. Like that's kind of yeah. um, the vibe that you would have you would have got from it. it, it I, I, I honestly and truly believe it would be a monster if it if it still existed. And, and to be no. clear, like the score brand still exists, right? Like I don't want to yes. discredit what no, they're doing sure. with the website and with the podcast. And you know, in fact, especially in the United States. That brand is a monster. Um, yeah. But if they had the television station, thus all the talent that came with it, yeah. um, it, the leaps and bounds they'd be able to make would be exponential. Now, I've read your most recent articles a few times. And for those of you who have not read them, they are they're must read in my opinion. I have read them multiple times. And you've touched on a lot of of great topics over the last, I would say, 10 days. Not to say that you didn't before that. Your your pieces on The uh, the Last Dance were fantastic. But when you started talking about you know, the need for white athletes to speak out against racism, you know, James Dolan's response to George Floyd's death and the subsequent protests around the world, why it's important for people to listen before speaking and making reference to Vic Fangio and, and Drew Brees, um, and then how PR statements are good but need to be backed up with action. What has the response been from the articles that you have written? So it's been um, one overwhelming. Like I, I've been inundated with messages and mentions um, about them. I never thought 
you know, people were, were going to be sliding into my DMs to have like a uh, antithetical conversation about race in 2020. I'm like, uh, I, 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 I wish people were sliding in my DMs for other reasons, but 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 these reasons are important. Yeah. Um, no, so it, it's been so. There's been it's been when I say mixed in terms of my response, there have been very stark contrasts to the feedback I'm getting. So. On one end, I'm getting a segment of the population saying, yes, thank you. I've been saying this for so long. Thank you for saying it. I can now take this article and use it as a vehicle to say, see, like someone else is saying all the things that I've been saying. Here it is in 1,300 words um, with some real-life tangible examples. That's one. Two is... Well, thank you for doing this. I never thought of these things. I'm now starting to learn. I'm starting to have some conversations with my friends and family. I'm, I'm sharing what you're doing. And, you know, it's just a kindling on this fire of having some better understanding. So thank you. I, and I appreciate those, those both responses equally. And then the flip side is, oh, well, you're race baiting. Oh, you're <laughs> playing the race card. Well, the race card is not something that you can play. It's something right. that you it's in the deck. It's, it's something that you're dealt. And so I, there's been pushback about talking about race one, but also two, in a somewhat related fashion in terms of, well, wait a minute. We don't have a race problem in Canada. <laughs> uh, we, we put Canadian flags on our backpacks and we travel all across the world and people love us. We're tolerant. We love diversity and inclusion. And so uh, to that, I say, well, maybe you don't have a race problem in Canada. But that doesn't mean one doesn't exist. We have a long history of race-related issues going back to the inception of the country. And it still persists to this day. The difference is maybe out of shame, maybe out of ignorance, we sweep it under the rug in Canada, where the United States... It is obvious. It's always a driver right. in conversation. Uh, it is. It is. You know, overt. Where you know, here in Canada is a bit covert. I mean, in the United States, they have historically black colleges just for this yeah. very reason, as uh, a place where people who can't get uh, worthy education can go, but also as a place to start conversation and to enlighten. We don't have any historically black colleges in Canada. Right. I would I would love to go to Viola Desmond U, but it doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Um, so that's the um, that's the 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 difference I suppose between the two countries is in Canada it's well wait you shouldn't be writing this because we don't have a race issue. In the United States is well I know why you're writing it but you're wrong, and uh, yeah. so I, I think we still have uh, some work to do. But I'm 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 just happy that. People read anything that I do, whether they agree or disagree. I'm like, the page views count the same, so keep them coming. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an important thing you just talked about. Um, that I mean, our premier of Ontario came out and said that the Ontario does not have, or even I think I can't remember if it was Canada or Ontario doesn't have a race problem, and that was definitely not met with. Uh, positive feelings by by some. I can't say most because you know what? It's really hard to tell where people stand these days. 
I mean, everyone can post, you know, uh, a black square or retweet, you know, an IG video that they see on TV because, and you spoke about this when it comes to, you know, Vic Fangio or even Drew Brees. I mean, a lot of those apologies didn't necessarily come from them feeling that way as it was their names being dragged through the mud that elicited a response. And I mean, I went back and looked at the Yahoo Finance vid interview with Drew Brees and, and the and the two news guys or, or, or personalities. And a lot of people are just focusing on what Drew said and saying, oh, Drew's not, you know, educated. He still doesn't understand about, you know, the whole Kaepernick protest. And I say it's hogwash because if you actually go back and listen to the full clip of the interview, not just Drew Brees' piece, but the two questions that he gets asked by the two different personalities, the second time right before the clip that we all heard, he actually gets asked about Kaepernick's protest in response to police brutality and the reason for kneeling that being the reason, not in disrespect to the flag, because when he sat down, he got, uh, I think I can't remember, I think it was Nate Hoyer. Uh, who was the yeah. the army vet who had the conversation with him after he saw Cap sitting and they had a really good conversation and he explained, you know, the kneeling is a sign of respect. So Cap wasn't trying to disrespect anything. He was obviously kneeling as a silent protest to police brutality. And that gets mentioned in the question to Drew Brees and Drew decides to just not go down that road at all, completely ignore the question and talk about how it is... You know, he could never picture himself kneeling uh, as a protest to the flag because of how much it meant to him. Again, completely ignoring the police brutality line in there. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, a lot of people, again, saw the clip for what it was, but did not understand or did not see that it gets mentioned to him and he decides not to answer it. So how, do, how does that affect you then? I mean... Drew Brees is just keeping the same energy, right? He said the yeah. same things in 2016. Yeah. Uh, his mind hasn't changed. He's speaking to, well, and not on Yahoo Finance, because I'm not really sure who is going to Yahoo for their finance. Um, <laughs> but he, he's speaking to a base that he's comfortable with. He's speaking to yeah. his fellow Texans, who, yeah. if you polled them, agree with him. For sure. And were somewhat riled up when the president of the United States used the Kaepernick uh, kneeling issue as yeah. uh, political football. He was in Alabama yeah. at the time when he did it. So the, certainly the, the South of the United States certainly feels a specific way about uh, protesting and the flag. Yeah. And Drew Brees is lockstep with him. What he didn't realize um, is that where he plays in, in the South, in New Orleans, in Louisiana, they're a little bit more democratic uh, yeah. than the South in Texas or the South in Alabama. Um, and they're a lot more black. And yeah. <laughs> they were not really feeling his, his answers. And so for Drew Brees, I, in a way, I do feel well, bad as a stretch because, I mean, he's <laughs> – He's fine. He's sleeping on a bed with a higher thread count than mine. So I'm not going <laughs> to cry any tears for Drew Brees. But I do feel unfortunate for him because that night in protests in Louisiana, people are chanting F Drew Brees. Yeah. And it's a guy yeah. who's given up millions upon millions upon millions to many causes in that state, but certainly hurricane relief being one. But I think it's a reminder, not just 
for Drew Brees, but but for all of us, that you have to take the blinders off and you can't just think about issues based on how they in, impact you and yeah. the people that you know and love because they're going to impact people a different way. I, I went back and I counted his answer and he said the word I, I think it was six times. Okay. He said the word me or my, a version of me or my, three times. So that's, that's nine times he's talking about himself. Yep. He said our, so collective, three times. Uh, every time he said the word our, the word that followed was uh, anthem uh, right. or, or flag. So he his entire viewpoint was based off of himself not based off of anybody else. Yeah. And I think that more than anything is what he's realized is that, yeah, I, I get it, Drew. You feel a certain way about that flag and you're entitled yeah. to. And, sure. and your grandparents, they died fighting for the flag. I get it. And you have the right to feel that way. Drew, that's exactly what they were fighting for. But yeah. on the same side, Malcolm Jenkins or Colin Kaepernick don't feel the same way about that flag, if their grandparents weren't treated the same way, then they're allowed to express that as well. And that also is what your grandparents were fighting for. Um, I don't know if Drew Brees got that before, but um, I'm, I'm certain he, he's got it now. I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see a starting QB get canceled Unless yeah. unless they commit a crime. Um, but uh, I think the Drew Brees situation is probably the closest uh, that, that we might get. He was, he was flying a little too close to the sun for sure. And even then, they're going to have to commit a crime and that quarterback's not going to have to be... I mean, it's going to have to be a like bottom-tier quarterback because if history has proven anything, the stars of the game are as bulletproof in any situation if you're white than anybody else. Right. Like very quick to to cancel, as you said, anybody for doing, you know, something like, for instance, Jameis Winston, everyone was ready to cancel him, not for his uh, other allegations, but like the whole crab like situation. And we were talking about crab legs. Right. I mean, it's it's we're ready to cancel him, but we're not ready to cancel someone like Drew Brees who makes or, or Vic Fangio or not even try to get a response out of someone like Jerry Jones, who's been so adamant about things in the past and has been fairly quiet on, on, on this front, right? Yeah, I mean, James Winston has a certain, certainly long history of yeah. sexual misconduct yes. allegations um, and has not been canceled. Um, you know, Michael Vick had some... Yeah. Not only allegations, he had some convictions in terms of uh, having a, a dog fighting ring. He was quickly canceled, but eventually yeah. was able to redeem himself and brought back. Um, and yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't I don't know if just a viewpoint like Drew Brees is going to get you um, canceled, especially if, if you're a white quarterback. It, you would need. Uh, receipts in terms of uh breaking something in the criminal code before that happens for sure all right so i know we're running up against the clock there are a few things that i want to get to before we go now i did reach out to two of your friends who often refer to you as dj um and 
so the first one is from your friend Cabby. And Cabby said, you know, DJ's love language is acts of service. And he's one of the best wingman alive. And he said he probably won't be able to go into specifics, but it should be noted. He throws a lot of alley-oops at the rim. <laughs> As someone that is such a critical analytical thinker, why do you love trash reality TV as much as you do? Because we know you have, you know, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, anything terrible. His words, not mine when it comes to terrible. Let me preface that. But for someone who does, you know, think such analytically and is such critical over things, what is it about the trash TV that just sort of just like brings it brings it out for you? I don't know, to be honest. I don't have a good response to that. I've been asked <laughs> that before and I really, I should come up with one really, but I don't. Um, I mean, maybe... Uh, in these dark, uh, depressing times, I just want to turn on the TV and be like, oh, yeah, like, well, my life is better than that person. So uh, right. there's that. Um, no, I mean, I to be honest, I think I think uh, I think sometimes because my I, I'm like the hamster on a wheel and in, in, in the sense of like I'm always, always uh, thinking and contemplating and, and you know, looking at my viewpoint and, and am I considering everything I need to, you know, Outwardly, I might look kind of stoic at times, but I'm like that duck on the surface of the water where the the feet are paddling so quickly um, underneath and you can't see it. And so I, I don't know if maybe just at the end of the day, um, I just want to just turn that off and right. have something totally mindless that has no consequence, that doesn't matter, that if I miss a saying or a phrase or a scene, I'm not going to have to rewind because ultimately – it doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter what the Countess Luann Deceps is doing on the Real Housewives <laughs> of New York. It like it does. It literally does not matter. In fact, as soon as I delete it off my PVR, I'm going to delete it from my brain. I forget right. any of what I just witnessed. I think maybe it's that. It's just like my ability at the end of the day to press Control Alt Delete and you know kind of wipe everything clean and 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 start fresh. I don't know. I don't have a good answer. My wife <laughs> chirps me about it all the time, but then she sits down and, and she watches with me as well. And then when one is done, she's like, do we have another one? Do we have the next one? <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I, it, the other question I ask myself is like, am I going to be watching these shows forever? Like, so am I going to be like 65 in watching <laughs> like real world and, and the challenge is Hey, listen, the challenge is great. Don't don't knock the challenge, okay? Because that, that's one of my my uh, guilty pleasures in life. The challenge is great. The challenge is great. It's like, <laughs> uh, it's, like it's, it's got the best of a bunch of uh, reality shows all in one. Yeah, my, my boy CT, who has changed from vigilante at some point to like the ultimate dad is uh is the transition that, that that i love the most but outside of like the bachelor bachelorette what's like another two shows that you say are like your on your pvr terrible like, terrible television uh ter okay terrible television so on my pvr i mean we could just i mean the beauty of technology we could just look <laughs> um hold please so for those who can't see, uh, Donovan is actually going to his uh, PVR behind him to check to see what, uh, so what he's got saved in there. Terrible. So the challenge, um, Vanderpump Rules is strong okay. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we're just going to get into Housewives. Housewives of New York, Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, oh, 
I mean, Jesus and Meryl for some people might be terrible, but it's it's also, you know, can be educational in how funny it is. Uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, so we're just going from borough to borough with our housewives. Um, yeah, I think that's it. That's not too bad. Not so you bad. never got into like a, a 90 day fiance type of show? Um, no, 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 no. God, no. I have some, uh, I have some standards or uh, like married at first sight. Like, not, oh, there we go. Not, to, not, not, uh, not doing that. I'm not, I'm not, no. I'm not that bad. So, so you have, you have standards. They I may do, be low standards, but you do have standards. I do have standards, but you know what? Like some of the, the home makeover or like, you know, say yes to the dress type shows okay. are just as bad. So people who are coming for me, like <laughs> do some soul searching, look at your own PBR right. before, before you come <laughs> at mine. And so, okay. So the last thing, uh, I want to touch on was from Tim. So Tim did give you credit as you were the one who invented the Tim and Sid horns that we so knowingly love. Um, but he, then he they did were, want, they were culturally appropriated by, by both <laughs> Tim and Sid. Yes, that's oh correct. Boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. And the last thing he wanted me to ask you was, uh, he wanted me to ask you to tell me about the world famous singing competition. I mean, that's, it's, it's documented. It's, it's on <laughs> record. Um, I don't know how it started. Um, oh, so I'll go back. I, we, we all get advice from our parents when we're young. And uh, something that my dad would always say, not knowing it would be used in this context, is you never start a fight, but make sure you finish it. And so right. like, listen, if someone's yeah. going to, you, you don't, you're not a bully, you don't look for fights. But if someone's going to pick on you, stand up for yourself. You're not just going to sure. you know, get beat up. And he would always stress that. You know, you won't get in trouble from the teachers. If you, you know, if they say anything, don't worry. I got you. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and so in this case with Sid, I, I did not start that fight. Sid right. wanted to come for me and say he was a better singer. And I was like, I'm not going to start it, but I'm going to finish it. So we had a singing competition on the podcast, the Tim and Sid Uncut podcast. It still exists somewhere, even though it doesn't, the podcast doesn't exist. But like some people have just not deleted it from the yeah. podcast app and have carried it from phone to phone to phone, I suppose, at this point. Um, so I, I, I haven't heard it. I know it exists. I know that um, my wife, uh, w you know, worked her journalism skills to have the raw audio sent to her so that she would always <laughs> have, a, have a record of it. And I think, did she... Did she play it at her wedding to embarrass? Her? Oh my god! I think she may have. Um, That's I, amazing. I, um, anyways, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. There's no shame in my game. And if you think you're a better singer than me, God bless you. The whole point was, am I a better singer than Sid Sixero? And I firmly will stand on <laughs> the, any table, this kitchen table that I'm at, and say, yes, I'm a better singer than Sid Sixero and listen we can do it again I'll get I'll grant him a rematch which actually many people have asked for uh, <laughs> over the years um so yeah we can do it name 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 the place uh name the genre of song we could do it we could raise some money for charity I'll, I'll sing against Sid any day of the week I again am a better singer than Sid Sixero which the, is not a high bar to clear <laughs> The gauntlet has been thrown down. Now we're looking to book DJ versus Sid 2 
for we're gonna have to get like a, a belt or some sort of trophy or something yeah. that uh, someone's gonna be able to hold and, and and have some piece of hardware yeah like we've got the match with tiger and and phil as like a brand we need like the sing-off and we can get some celebrity judges to be like you know in their chair and 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 turn around uh like we're on the voice or something like that i i, I think we're uh i think we're onto something perfect i like this this is a this is a great idea for the rest of uh 2020 uh donovan thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to to talk with me i really appreciated uh the conversations the, the articles as i said before up at sportsnet.ca uh where else can we, people find you on social media uh so it's at donovan bennett uh on ig and twitter uh my parents are West Indian, so they chose to spell my name difficultly. So it is <laughs> D-O-N-N-O-V-A-N. Uh, like Donovan Bailey, the sprinter, but just add another N in the middle just for fun. Uh, at Donovan Bennett. Um, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Like I said, thank you for doing this. Um, I mean, congratulations on celebrating another year uh, on this planet. Uh, congratulations on being a dad. Uh, it seems like you're really having a lot of fun with uh, with Desmond at home. And uh, be safe, and hopefully someday down the road we'll be able to chat again. Hopefully when we get the singing competition uh, started, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be able to get you back on. Thank you for saying that. And uh, thank you also for your preparedness and your great questions. I mentioned I've been on a junket doing a lot of these. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, you get a lot of dumb ass questions. And so sure. uh, by the end of it, oftentimes uh, you're annoyed with the person that interviewed you. <laughs> uh, and that is not the case for you. So congratulations. Excellent. Perfect. Uh, Amazing. Yes. Uh, no, this was fun. Really appreciate it. Anytime you need me. Awesome. All right. Well, be safe. Uh, have a good rest of your workday and uh, hopefully we will chat soon. For sure. All right. This is Julian Ortiz of the Big O Podcast and that is it for today. Thank you for listening. Like, share and subscribe. Make sure you shout out. Give my man Donovan Bennett a mention. Uh, he is actually really great at responding to your comments and DMs when he gets uh, when he has the time to do so. He is a very busy man. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great day.